welcome to Relics of Lore, episode 120. Uh, I am Grybok, and I am filling in as host today for Cole. This may be a semi-regular occurrence, but uh, nobody's going anywhere at the moment, so uh, I guess I'll introduce our other hosts. Uh, joining us as frequently she does, we have uh, Spirit. Hello, everyone. And joining us once again, we have Evie. Rago, Rago. Good morning. <laughs> it is a bright and early morning on Relics of Ore, apparently. Uh, none of us have showers. We're all sleepy. Kate almost uh, slept through her alarm. It's uh, it's good times. Um, Alarms are a thing? Yeah, well, you know, not but on they weekends. They are when you don't live in the time zone that you live in. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's fair. So, uh... Yeah, it's been a pretty light week in terms of news, and by that I mean there's been no news. Um, but uh, I've got a few got a few developer updates. We'll just uh, roll right on through with the rotating cog. Yeah, no patch Tuesdays. Give me something to kill already. You know what they say: a patchless Tuesday amasses nothing to talk about. But but ready up, Alan's philosophy. Oh yeah, no, that's going in the rotating cog. Oh no, we. Oh no, I. That should get cut out. But I have. There's a separate PvP section that has its own bumper, which it needs to be put into. Oh, all right. That well, I forgot about. You know, whoops. We're professionals <laughs> here. Um, welcome to Relics of War, episode 120. No, <laughs> just kidding. Um. <laughs> anyway, um. So last week there was a little bit of a. I don't know if you'd call it controversy, but some people are a little bit miffed about uh, the World v. World chest rewards for the meta event, and or lack thereof. Um, either of you guys want to talk about that? I would be really mad if I like put a whole bunch of effort into World v. World, particularly because I don't like World v. World, and I didn't get anything out of it. With that said, it's not like a permanent thing, so yeah. Yeah, indeed, and to that point, um, they they repeatedly said that they were working on a fix for it for those who did not get the chests, uh, and it appears that it's going to be coming on the 17th uh, with a patch, and in addition to that, uh, this is also when the vendor for the tokens will be available, and all players who completed the meta will get an extra 100 tickets as a peace offering or a sort of apology, which I think is kind of interesting. I it's mean, it's very generous. It's very generous. Yeah, I'm not going to complain. Like but I also think it's a little bit silly that they kind of felt the need to do that when <laughs> like it's not it's not like these tickets are depreciating and it's not like half the people got to get their tickets and spend them early and the other half of the people right. had to just sit around or that they were at any sort of disadvantage for not being able to spend them right away. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's really funny. Um, I was, yeah. Go ahead. Honestly, as long as the whole reward system was like ironed out before the start of the next season, I think they didn't need to compensate or anything. That's just me, though. Yeah, I agree too. It felt like a tempest in a tea kettle. Like <laughs> that's a new one. A beautiful never mental image. No, but it's wonderful. I'm stealing it forever. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, um, I feel like it aptly describes it, though. Um, 
Anyway, moving on. We'll get it. Sounds like we'll get our tickets on the uh, on the seventeenth with a patch and all that that good jazz. I'm curious what else is coming in that patch because we know um, we know the Living Story season two is not coming until the first. Yeah, but it's. They... I mean, it's a Tuesday. That's their normal patch day. They'll probably just. <sighs> Maybe they'll actually start crap. shaving. I don't know if you heard that, but that was the sound of my cat throwing up on the recording. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cats love patch day just as much as we do. Um, They're so excited, they're going to actually vomit. <laughs> but I'm, I'm legitimately curious about this, because the last patch kind of surprised me um, in terms of its depth and what exactly it fixed. There were a lot of balance bug fixes. There were a lot of dungeon fixes. And it was kind of a really meaty patch for one that we didn't expect to have much of anything in it. So I'm curious what if it's just going to be a tiny little patch on June 17th, if we're going to see more of these kinds of changes where they yeah. make dungeon alterations. Because that came out of the blue. We had no no idea that any of that was coming. Not, not that it was unwarranted. It was definitely needed, but I'd yeah. expect it to be uh let's fix everything we can patch before we start throwing a whole bunch of more stuff into the game. Yeah, it's kind of I nice. mean, I kind of expect not a ton just from the perspective unless they've already planned it out way in advance and they're just sort of slotting in this world v world patch into it. Um because in general, I mean, you don't really want to sort of destabilize any code that you have before you're about to put in a big feature patch. Right. Um but do you guys have? Uh, I mean, last week we sort of accidentally all flaked out on Cole. Um, is, is is there anything you guys want to say about the journal system other than it's amazing? Um, I'm. I to what's the word I'm looking for? Mm, wearily anticipating how it plays out. You're wary. Is that? Is that sort of what you're going for there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, I remember I did have a kind of a grudge with, against the... I don't know. I can't really fault them. The payment model is a source of apprehension for me, I guess. That's what I'm more wary about than anything. Yeah. Um, Because for me, who's going to log into the game every every two weeks. It's not going to be an issue. I'm going to get all this free content, right? Right. For my friends who really do enjoy the game, but have other stuff that they do primarily, uh, and only log in once a month, once every two months, or, you know, for a short period of, like, maybe a week within every two months or whatever, I'm worried about how that's going to affect them and their desire to play the game, because while... The temporary content kind of comes and goes. You don't when when they get back after that, they're gonna see all the stuff they missed. And you know, maybe they don't want to spend that much money on the game because they only play it every once in a while. And the gold cost is ridiculous. It's something like twenty four gold per chapter because it, it works out to two hundred gems. So at current prices, it's kind of a lot for those types of players who are the types only of people in the who game. don't have the money in the first place. Right. Yeah. So that that's something I'm a little bit wary about, but I can't really fault ArenaNet for asking them to pay for content also. 
Like, I mean, it's really the thing is the question that it primarily comes down to in my mind is that compared to how it is now, would you rather that they be able to see what they've missed and pick it up for money or just not even know that it ever happened? And I, I don't have a good answer to that question. I think we just have to see how it plays out. It's better than the previous system, but considering the price, it's not ideal. That's fair. That's fair, because some people were sort of bundling it up and they're saying, you know, well, uh, if you bundled up last year's worth of releases, that's, you know, $30 or $40 or whatever, so that's, like, close to the price of an expansion, and I think that's fair. And I was like, I don't. That that to me is not that is not worth the that's price not of an expansion. expansion's worth of content and i mean and we've harped on that a lot but i again it has been it has been lacking all of the things that or not all but a lot of the things that make expansions a big deal to me and so i would not pay an expansion's price for the content that we got so it's it's interesting um i do love the idea that you can go back and play it though yeah absolutely and i like i really like um They've been talking about it, you know, what achievements mm-hmm. are worth in in the game, and I really like the idea that they're going to start adding some harder achievements. Yeah. So that's something I can work towards. Because one of the things I've been struggling with um, is not lack of desire to play the game, but lack of goals to work on. Right? I've got my fractals fifty fifty. I've got my. I've done all the dungeons hundreds of times now. Sure. Uh, I've done, you know, I've made a legendary. I finished my second legendary last you've, night. You've blown through the living story content in an hour every two or four weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's just I would like more long-term goals, and anything that goes towards having that for me is a plus. Because I just, if I don't have anything to work towards, I just start to lose interest. Yeah, I and I think that's a real problem that they're going to have to start addressing. Um, and this is sort of one of those ways to do it, but there's a lot of us who have been playing this game for legitimately two years now, basically, and, uh, like, as much as we love to play things and play things because they're fun, there's only so many times you can do the same thing before, you know, you start getting bored. Um, I do think it's interesting that people are really concerned that we won't have fights like the marionette because the journal system... Because it's designed for replayability later. And I I think that what people are missing is that, at least in my understanding of it, it's it's a journal for the story instances. And so right. all of the open world content will still be getting, but you may not be able to go back and play that necessarily at any... Like, the marionette could have still happened, and we couldn't go back and keep fighting the marionette, but what you could do is go back to see Scarlet's secret lair, and see, you know, uh, I, I think that was the one where you or, chased Tiny through the mists. Or... Instances... Yeah, that's actually something I've been wondering too. about, too. Cause, well, people had been saying that you couldn't make uh, like, there's no, like, matchmaking feature in the journal that you can, like, all these people who want to go do this story. But I think, you know, they could just make that not... What I'm trying to say is, with real people words, we don't know exactly what is coming in the journal. Like, we don't know which features are going to be behind the paywall and what, mm-hmm. like... So, do you have to pay 200 gold to get into the zone because it was... 
released with this story or is it purely the story instances i think it's purely the story instances i don't i don't think think that they're monetizing zones because that that actually brings up an interesting point in relation to we were talking about what's worth paying for yeah because is the story instances we've got thus far are definitely not worth 200 gold i would not that money in it at all i thought my laptop just shut down um but at the same time, if you're getting free access to these zones and the type of content that comes in the open world, I'm not sure I'd want it. Like, there's no motivation for me to pay for that story. Like, yeah, I miss a little bit of story. I'll go read about it on the wiki and I'll just continue with my <laughs> life. Yeah. It would have to be story missions for me. But then I guess people would yeah. complain about that too. Yeah. Really? I think it would be great if they had, like, oh, I'm going to. Complain well, complain about like, piecemeal paying for story missions. I I just don't. I don't think that's gonna happen though. So, well, I would really like to see them. I would pay for story missions if they were fleshed out and well thought. And I think they will be. Like they'll have. I guess to to draw an equivalent to something we know as we always do. But like Guild Wars One, the bonus story mission pack, which the journal has been compared to a lot. Right. Um. Where it's got, not only is it, is it kind of hard to do, like it takes a little bit of learning to do any of those stories, but there's bonus objectives, which would come in the form of achievements, and having that sort of, that sort of difficulty and multi-dimensionalness to it. It's not just you play through the story once, you learn what happens, but there's like sort of learning mechanics and learning intricacies to it. I would appreciate a lot more. Sure. Especially because I was like one of the only people that I knew that could do the Mersat bonus story. <laughs> uh-huh. And actually get more than one weapon at a time. So and those are the coolest weapons too, so I was that was pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh yeah, I, I think it'll it'll be interesting. We don't have enough information yet, but I feel like a lot of people are sort of jumping to conclusions. Uh, I mean, unsurprisingly, I, I guess, but... Oh, you were you were alluding to something? Yes, and I wanted to use that as a segue, even though you kind of ruined it for me, that if there aren't rewards for these missions, no one's going to buy them. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's fairly true. And that is something that happens with an expansion, where, you, I mean... No matter what you're buying it for, you're buying it because there's something for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but monetizing it out to be piecemeal, like I, I, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. But uh, anyway, I think that's I think we've sort of said our piece between us and Ryan multiple times last week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that episode was really funny, at least to yes, me. I, it was I beautiful. hope our I hope our listeners enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I was just expecting no episode when he emailed me that. I was <laughs> Yeah. It it got my work in progress seal of approval. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so anyway, uh speaking of multiple people being on one account at the same time, uh there's been a recent wave of hackings. See, that's a good segue. Um <laughs> it was ruined it. So I know. Uh I think it's uh <laughs> sorry. 
Can we just say, uh, I don't think I've said this on the show, but when we did our interview with Chris Whiteside, he said that Eric had fantastic segues. <laughs> he that did. Was the best part of the interview. Yeah. Because <laughs> if absolutely. you've listened to the show for a while, you know that we, we love our segues and we love ruining them for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, but there's been a recent wave of hacking, gold sellers, all that, all that jazz, and there's a few, uh, standard, standard suggestions. Uh, Evie, do you want to go over either of these? Uh, this is where I'm going to go into Evie's wisdom, TM. <laughs> okay. F- first of all, the most important thing you can do is to not use a password that you use on any other site. Yeah. Number two, use a password that is ridiculously hard to decipher. Case in point, do not actually put a word in it. (laughs) Which I know sounds weird, but... There's, there is, there's a certain... There's a certain length at which, once it is a certain length, whether it has words or not, unless it's actually a phrase, is not super relevant. Like as long as it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like I saw, I, I think it was XKCD, and they were basically saying like, if you say, if you make your password like Vader Umbrella Skittles Baseball Park, <laughs> like that password is, and then you throw in a couple numbers or whatever, like that password, even though it contains words, is sufficiently long that it's really no different to anybody that's trying to crack your account. Here's the thing, though. There's character limits. Oh, sure. Which has been sure. a problem It depends on how long your password is. For many, many a time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It depends on what you're working with. But it is easier to remember Vader Umbrella Skittles Baseball Bat uh, than, you know, LFQT, Z134, Tilda, Asterisk. This is going to sound kind of nerdy of me. But I base my passwords for each game based on my fondest memory of that game. That's really smart. That's actually really smart. Is like finding a way to remember it where it means something to you, but it doesn't mean something to anybody else. And this is where I have my Sheldon moment and say that I actually have the date in my password. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's impressive. There was a thing I was gonna say. Oh, ArenaNet actually just put out a uh, a page about advice on choosing a unique password, and they actually uh, recommend using an abbreviated version of like a, a meaningful sentence. Like when I was seven, my sister threw my stuffed rabbit in the toilet, and it just becomes. W I W seven comma M S T M S you know like just the first letters of each thing, so that's an option for you if you don't want to go with the words. Yeah. Anyway, main points of advice. I I think honestly, Evie Evie nailed it with your first one. Uh, don't mm-hmm. use a password that you use elsewhere because the primary method, despite what movies teach you about uh, hacking, is the pri- <laughs> the primary method of getting your account is not that they run some cracker that deciphers your deciphers your password or whatever. It's that they've broken the security on a not very secure website 
and gotten access to a database of passwords, and then they just try those pat like they they just look at your email and password and just try that on a ton of other things, and everywhere that shares the same email password combination is quote unquote hacked. So that is by far the biggest way that you will keep yourself safe. Which is why Anet has a list of passwords that people cannot use. Because they've been confirmed to be compromised on other sites. And it's been that way since yeah, launch. Right. So, with that said, that is how you can get yourself ready to not be hacked. And speaking of being ready... That was bad. That was really bad. <laughs> you, you, you just trans, you, you just going right into the next one? I mean, you, you're allowed to like transition the segment. No, that was, it was so bad I had to call myself out on it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I thought it was lovely. All right. Well, I guess we're going to move into the uh, kill it with violence, the PvP section. Hey, guys, Bunker Guardian takes Clock Tower and then AFKs. What do you do? Kill it with violence. So, as Evie was alluding to, uh, there was a ready-up on Friday, which I would say is probably actually our biggest piece of thing, talking points uh, for this episode, because there was the most said that wasn't either sort of obvious or uh, just talking about stuff that was talked about last week. Um, it's on YouTube, which we can put in our show notes, I believe. There's also live stream notes on Reddit. Indeed, there is, uh, which is what I'm, in fact, looking at right now. Did any of you guys watch it, or did you just read the live stream? Notes? I I feel really bad because every time I go to watch Ready Up, I'll get like ten minutes in, and I'm just like, they're not saying anything I want to hear. I will just read <laughs> everything when all of this is over. Bye, mm-hmm. bye, girl. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, I watched most of it. I had to tune out at the very last. 10 minutes or so. Honestly, this is probably the furthest I've gotten into any ready up because I was really hoping to hear something, you know, concrete and uplifting and make me hopeful. And then they got to warrior and I was just like, I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> oh, warrior's the last one, wasn't it? Was it? So. Yeah. You, you got all the way to the end, Evie. Congratulations. You didn't even realize I'm it. Proud of you. you just okay. noped out right at the very end when you raged. Well, I need you guys to tell me everything and explain it to me like I'm five because I know no- I I just can't do balanced discussions. Oh, I love ELI five. Um yes. so yeah, so the whole point of this was on not exactly on balance or it was about their philosophy of balance more than anything. And one of the things that they said that I thought was a, probably a pre-planned catchphrase uh, was uh, holes and roles. So having a role that your class is designed to do, but also having a hole in it that you're not good at so that other classes can fulfill the same role in a different way. Um, and I think that's an interesting concept that sort of, falls flat for some professions more than others. Uh, The other ones they talked about were purity of purpose and opportunity cost, where um, purity of purpose is... I mean, it's what it sounds like. You have have one job or one purpose. Purity of purpose has been taken to an extreme. Because there are several professions that are literally only good at one thing. They're one build. Yeah. Yeah. 
I agree. Um, and then opportunity cost, you know, is is basically just saying if something is so good that no other options compare to it, like it has that you're always going to take that skill. Like there has to be some reason to take another skill. Um, otherwise, something is over or underpowered, basically. Oh, I know that feeling. That's from PVE. I keep three skills on my thief spar in PVE because I feel like they have way more utility than anything. There's some room for discussion on that, but I definitely feel that in my gameplay. So, so yeah, for the masses, cough cough. What are those skills? Uh, shadow step. Shadow Refuge, and Signet of Agility. For PvE? Um, for PvE, yes. Shadow Step is not only an incredible mobility skill, but when you toggle it, it removes three conditions, which is incredibly useful on my Thief because I have no, hardly any condition removal. And it's instant, so you can stun break with it too. Correct. Right? It is also a stun break. Yeah. Shadow Refuge is an amazing multi-purpose skill. It can be used to skip mobs, it can stealth you. If you combo through it, it's a lifesteal or a blind, and I find it... it there's there's no skill that replaces it for stealth as in a group. This, mind you, this is mostly group play in dungeons. Yeah. Um, but I, I also use it in the open world because I find it just has so much utility. Uh, Signet of Agility is, in my opinion, hands down the best Signet skill in the game. It's the best... Skill uh, period in the game, except for maybe Berserker <laughs> stance. Yeah, if you don't appreciate this skill, I I don't know. It's uh in when it's not toggled in just its passive mode, it gives you a huge boost to precision. When you activate it, it removes one condition and refills your endurance. But not only does it fill your own endurance and remove a condition from you. But it removes one condition from everyone in the area and refills the endurance of everyone in the area. So that is like awesome. I've been thiefing play. wrong. I did not realize that it did that. Although I don't really thief in group play that often, so Yeah, and that's fair. But like those are examples of skills where I feel that they have way more utility than say and like another signet I could pick where I would have plus 25% movement speed, and then when I toggle it, I have one blind, and then it's on a 60-second cooldown. That active... Signet of Agility is on a 48-second cooldown if you trade it, by the way. It is glorious. I love that The skill. active on that... I forgot the name of it now. The movement speed one is so bad. I miss <laughs> the active from... Was it... Actually, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this because it might have been before beta. Never mind. <laughs> not, not that we have, not that anybody has any knowledge of anything that happened before the game released. Nope, all. because there were no leaks, and also all of the professions were released by Arena. And now. Guardians didn't have yes. an initiative. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so uh, basically what they did, and I don't know if we actually want to spend the time to go through all of the professions, but they basically went through each profession and sort of talked about, I guess there were th a thread on the forum where they were talking about each profession's, uh, how the community felt, what their strengths and weaknesses were, and what their purpose was, I guess. Um, Can I just interject and, for a second and, they and say, I don't care what the community thinks. I go to these shows to hear what the developers think. 
Thank you very much. Please continue. Well, but the point was that they were talking about whether or not they agreed with the community's assessment of those things or whether those things were intended. Because um, a lot of the time the community says, oh, this is a weakness, this is terrible, and the developers are like, yeah, you're right, it is a weakness by design. Like, mm-hmm. thieves have low health, and that's a weakness, and it's a Were balance concern by design. Of course they are, because they get raffle stomps. Like, it, yeah, I mean, but people... But that's what glass cannons do! I think a big yes. issue with it is because thieves, at least in the, the PvP part, and even in PvE somewhat, mm-hmm. you're hardest goal as a thief is figuring out a way to stay in a fight. Which is why Sword Dagger became so popular for such a long time. And people are trying to hit that and you can't do that with a thief now. You can't. You can't stay in a fight. You need to run in and out. And because of their bursty nature or rather... How do I word this? What is supposed to be their bursty nature. That the whole sustain, like staying in a fight, just would not work. Because then they would be way too powerful. Right. And they have the tools to escape. Which is the whole... the If they don't need to escape, then those tools are even more overpowered. Because like if you're not designed to have to run away until you're vastly being destroyed and then you can just run away with impunity and cloak and that like, is true that's run away until you get impunity. to a point on a thief like where you're is. going against people that have staying power and ways of keeping you from escaping particularly necromancers and uh, well warriors can ruffle yeah warriors are weird i'm sure but like every every class and every build has certain things that make them it, like that sort of dance circles around them. Like, if you have good ways to remove a lot of conditions, necromancers frequently, like, can just get build countered as well. But that's... Anyway, that's that's sort of neither here nor there. I, I agree with what you're saying, but my point is, like, if they could stay in the fight like a warrior, but still had thief evades, it, like, almost like warriors do. Um, well, sorry. <laughs> that's how thieves stay in a fight, though, through their evades. Well, yes, through evades and being able to run away. But that's the point, is that if they didn't need to use those, but still had them, you know what I mean? Like, if there was some other if there was some other buff that let them stay in the fight as long as they sort of can by bobbing and weaving through the fight, and they still had oh, all that dodging and no, escaping no, 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 potential... No, you're, you're, you're... I probably said this wrong. I, mean, I meant this in the sense of that playstyle is ideal for a thief, but most people don't do that because their burst sure. is kind of lacking compared to other classes. Yeah, sure. That's that's true. But those are those are the types of things that like come up in balanced discussions about like, well, yeah, I love my ability to get in and out of fights and hit and run or burst and burst and hide, but I'd really like to stay in the fight longer like with more like more hit points and all. it's like, well, yeah, I mean, everybody would love to be <laughs> everybody would love to be able to do tons of damage and face tank and run away in an instant, but that's like which is why not... most people play warriors. Hey-oh! I, yeah, exactly. Um, but no, it was it was it was interesting uh, what they had to say about some of them. I feel like 
some of their opinions on... I feel like some of their stated opinions on them did not really jive with the reality of them. Absolutely. If that makes sense on some of Particularly these Particularly with, like, oh, the Elementalist is supposed to be a jack-of-all-trades. Really? Yeah. Then where's their damage? Because yeah. I mean, they, they can, can do, do... They can do they high can do AOE very damage. AOE damage, and they're very good at controlling a point. And by point, I mean a particular yeah. area, not an actual point all over. Though they make pretty decent bunkers. However, if you're going against... If you spec for damage as an elementalist, you're going to get nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's yeah, it's hard. It's, it's such a large topic that we could do an entire show just about this, probably, and go through each one. But I'm I'm trying to sort of summarize it a little bit, or or point out specific points, and I'm having a hard time like actually putting my finger on on certain ones. I think one of the one of the things that stood out to me was the Guardian, and you know, the, even they made jokes about how everybody in the community always says always jokes that they say Guardians are in a good place, um, and I guess the the disagreement I would have with them about it is that they said that guardians are really good at like surviving and providing survivability to their group and that warriors have really good sustain, but it's selfish sustain in that warriors are really good at keeping themselves alive, but not their party. And to me, the, the problem is that those are not really equivalent in terms of, uh, like role usefulness because one guardian keeping alive an entire party of four people is always going to out DPS a warrior because like if if you keep four people alive whereas the warrior keeps one person alive no warrior is going to out DPS four other people that may have died and so that places an inordinately large emphasis on the guardian's ability to do that and how valuable that is to a team composition, and no other classes provide that. That's the problem. Is not it's not that warriors can't keep the whole team alive. It's that guardians are the only ones that do it, and the things that they compared it to as a trade off. They're like, well, guardians don't do as much damage, but they keep the group alive. And I'm like, yeah, but keeping the group alive does way more damage than just keeping yourself alive and that's why you see such a prevalence of like guardian plus heavy damage dealers is because nobody else really you're, can you're right that. but looking at the meta and i just want to point this out this is probably where they're coming from warriors the build for warriors right now is hambo because as yeah. really good sustain <laughs> as really good sustain fire fields and plenty of blast finishers this is important because in team fights, right. which is where warriors are probably the strongest, right next to their little guardian friend, they're buffing everyone's right. damage. And while their sustain is very selfish, their damage output isn't. Yes, no, that's that's absolutely true. I'm I guess my point is more that when they're talking about rolls and holes, like the hole in the guardian is not covered by any like the if if the hole in the guardian is damaged like that doesn't change the fact that they're the best at their role of like supporting they and could keeping literally alive nerf and, and guardian effectiveness at supporting their allies by 50 percent like well not 50 well yeah 
straight up in half and they would still be better than <laughs> yeah. everyone else because everyone else just can't do it. Right. And I and see I think the thing that they're looking at is they're they're saying, well, you know, yeah, they they do this role really well and it's the role that they're designed to do and I guess my my beef is that if anybody else is ever supposed to fill that role, which from their other statements, I would take it that they are meant to be able to, then those classes need some massive reworks. And even in the chat, people were talking about, well, that's true, but only if you're running like one or two specific guardian builds. And there's a bunch of guardian skills that just do not contribute to that role. And they don't contribute well to any other role either. Because they're just too weak, and so every you know, profession about, like, spirit has weapons. those skills that are just not yes. used, both in PVE and PvP. Yeah, and I, and and that's the thing is, I mean, that comes back to the opportunity cost, and it feels like certain classes, because they're doing their primary role with one set of skills, that like the arena net developers sort of look at it and say, well, this, this profession is behaving how we want it to. And they're ignoring the opportunity cost factor of, you know, they can only do that and they can, and in order to do that, they can only use these skills. And so, you know, as, as we said earlier, like a lot of our professions, there is like one build for, or maybe two, but that's because they have one role that they're pretty good at and only one only only one set of their skills or traits lend themselves to that role um so it it yeah there was a, there was a lot of that kind of going around you know and they definitely acknowledged some faults with certain professions like with ranger you know they acknowledged that uh the longbow is theoretically supposed to be a very high dps long range weapon and it kind of is not where they want it to be and that like the pets are a huge problem i i make this suggestion every time i hear that longbow is supposed to be high damage they should put a trait that somehow ties in with the longbow that whatever boons your pet gets you will also get because the biggest drawback of using a longbow is that you're not in melee range to get the support from everyone else yeah, that's a pretty big one. I mean, I feel like they could also do with just like increasing projectile speed as well, if among other things. But isn't that what know. the trait is for, though? There is a trait to do that, but, but... the <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, wasn't there? I because I don't I don't play ranger as much, but wasn't there an opportunity cost with the trait where even though that the trait that increases it by hundred percent, um, or the projectile speed by hundred percent is ideal for the longbow. The one that it replaces, which also factors into the longbow build, is actually more valuable, so you have to choose one or the other, but you need both yeah. of them for the build to be viable. In order to compete damage-wise, yeah. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, because they, they changed shortbow like, speed massively early on in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, shortbow's used to attack a lot slower and then they just like massively ramped up their projectile speed and it was a huge deal and they didn't do it with longbows which are even more prone to getting dodged i think i think i think their reasoning was probably that longbows give you you know you're farther away so you're not in as much danger but Mm -hmm. the reality is that the way the projectile physics work like a lot of the time they just don't hit and 
you know, unlike unlike the Mesmer, who they compared it to several times for long range DPS, it has an and instant that skill. Is going to <laughs> like, right. An instant the only and way piercing to avoid skill. That Mesmer skill is to literally dodge it or invuln it somehow. Or or line of sight it completely at the instant it's being attacked, not sometime in flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there it seems like there was an interesting you know they they definitely understand that there's a mix of either design or core mechanics of things like projectiles and pets um that are sort of working against them uh and i mean they're they're aware of them but it was it was interesting to sort of hear their thoughts on how how they wanted things to be and how they thought how well they thought that they went but i guess it's mm-hmm. it's a little bit frustrating that several years in we're sort of still having these discussions about mm-hmm. some of these and classes i am fully confident in saying that the reason that is is they have and they've said repeatedly that they don't like making big sweeping changes and they prefer to shave yeah quote quote Thing is, when you're only getting a balance update every few months, shaving isn't going to cut it. Yeah, you either need to do frequent and small or, like, infrequent and large. And even though infrequent and large may lead to a long time of problems, infrequent and small means that whatever problems you have stay problems. It's funny they use the term shaving because if you want to properly shave and have a clean face, you're going to have – if I wanted to, Mm -hmm. I'd have to do it every single day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the game – Otherwise, you need to pull out a (laughs) machine. The game develops a 5 o'clock shadow and then, (laughs) you know. (laughs) That's such a beautiful metaphor. If you if you leave it out long enough, you look like you're from you know the Pacific Northwest, like some sort of horrible logging that, man with your beard. That could of be glorious, depending on how you look at it. At least give us a trim, like come on. And that's coming from the oh. guy that has a beard that goes anyway, in two and... different directions. <laughs> so speaking of uh, you know, uh, speaking of. Uh, no, that segue's gone. I was I was gonna somehow. Oh, I relate. thought you were gonna go like into Moss Man with the Pacific. I was, North I West was, here. yeah. I, I I I sort of lost the train halfway through, but uh, oh. we rolled Swamp. I can't believe it's not Dredge. Look to me, us Butlonians. <laughs> Which is our pro tip section, of course. Well, um. And speaking of Moss Man, uh, Kate, you want to talk about that one? Did you add that one, or was that uh, was that Cole that did that? Uh, Ryan edited it, but I can talk. Well, I can talk about the PSA. I don't know anything about Moss. Yes, yeah, that's, that's the one I'm talking about. No. Okay, so I believe this is not new, but it's something to bear in mind when you're running fractals. This is a PSA. If you switch equipment while you're dead in fractals, it has the potential to cause problems. Specifically, if you switch to equipment which has agony resistance inside it that uh, it can cause your total AR to become permanently lower than it should be and can usually only be fixed by relogging. So, for example, if you wipe on Mossman and you go, oh, it's because I have the wrong rings on, I need to put my Agony Resist rings on, and you switch them out while you're dead, you won't get that additional Agony Resist. And in so fact, it, it. Can, it sounds like it can lower it. Correct. Yeah. So 
wait until you're alive to put those rings on. Uh, also, sigils and runes can stop functioning mm-hmm. on newly equipped items, but those can thankfully be fixed by swapping away and then back to those weapons while you're living. So just be Somebody careful. was also saying that it, it sometimes slash frequently will fix itself if you just get naked and then uh, re-equip everything. And oh, yes. I mean, that makes sense. Getting problems. naked fixes a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're on the same page there. It's not relics after um, midnight. What are we talking about? <laughs> Well, you know, relics it's... after noon. It's kind oh, of like midnight, but on the at other least side for some of, of us, <laughs> it's not afternoon yet for me. Um... <laughs> so the other thing is, I guess this is this is an old bug, but is more relevant now with a recent change with regard to selling things on the trading post. Um, I guess the issue is that uh, if you're right clicking to sell on the trading post, uh, sometimes it will it will sort of select the wrong item from your inventory if it gets confused while it's updating its UI mm-hmm. and the problem is that they've made a change so that if you list an item lower than the buying price um that person will get the item and will receive back the difference in price so say you're buying Say you have a buy order in for Dawn at 800 gold or whatever it is these days. And somebody lists Dawn for 100 gold for some reason. The person with the buy order for 800 would instantly receive Dawn and they would get 700 gold back. Because that's the difference between the 100 and the 800 that they listed their buy order at. Mm -hmm. Whereas before... I don't remember exactly what happened before. I believe it just sold it at the lowest buy order amount so you would have said maybe listed it for 100 but it actually sold to that guy for 800 instantly and you would get your 800 minus trading post fees back uh as the seller and so the problem is with this if you're not really careful um you can sort of confuse the ui and basically sell get get quoted a price for one item but be applying it to a separate item and so the example they used was garlic bread and a precursor and they sold a precursor for a garlic bread price which is like a silver um, i wonder how many people have so buy just be orders for precursors for like one or two gold <laughs> just hoping yes somebody will oh yes Somebody will sell me a precursor <laughs> for the price of garlic bread. I mean, garlic bread is delicious. Uh, and I want to make it clear that the person talking about this on the forum was just giving an example and that they did have this happen, happen I believe, with a random exotic, but not or with a rare, but not a precursor, but it could have just as easily been one. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not a, a huge outcry of people losing precursors to uh, selling crappy food items, but it is something to be aware of and... The trading post UI can be kind of buggy, so just make sure that what you have selected and the price that you're putting it at is accurate, and it's probably safest to always just open up the window first and select it from your inventory and do all that do all that jazz. I've also sort of noticed that whenever so. I like right click to sell something, the tab will be the buy tab. 
even though I'm selling something. And it'll have the interface for like selling stuff. Yes. But it'll be on the buy tab. And it really confuses me. And I'm just like, no, I, I'm so OCD. I have to click on the sell tab. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Because I just, I can't. Yeah, and if you want to buy afterwards, you have to go to a different tab and then go back to buy, and then it'll be the actual buy <sighs> tab. I've noticed uh, that I put in a whole bunch of buy orders on T6 Mats this week, and when I go to put in a buy order, it automatically puts me at like 14 copper, which is the most annoying thing. Why 14 yeah. copper? Is that the vendor price? I don't know. Maybe, but it's really irritating when you're like, because if you click away to check anything else, then you have to restart the whole thing, go back to the tab, go to the buy order window, and uh, I hope for trading post improvements soon. Yeah, I don't suspect many of them will come, because the trading post is going through a third-party thing, <laughs> uh, interface, so there's only so much I thought much it was just an API, because you can hit the trading post as a website, basically. Well, yeah, it depends on what kinds of changes you're looking for, I guess. Because the actual trading post window is like uh is basically a website that that they can sort of host their own special UI and stuff for, but that's why stuff like uh preview from trading post was not in for so long was because you're actually loading up a website window inside of the client, not just mm-hmm. loading up a window inside the client. Um, so it's, it's harder for them to make certain kinds of tweaks on that, on that, like, part of the, part of the game, I guess. I still believe they should have a filter for different types of armor. Usable, yeah, by, like, weight or usable by my class. Yeah, I totally agree. Baffling. Also, apparently I am confused, as this is my first time hosting, I am a little bit rough on segments, and apparently that was not our pro tip segment. That was something completely different, and I don't know what the difference is between Rolled Swamp and pro tips. Rolled Swamp is specifically for fractals, and pro tips is in general. Oh, okay. Then the selling on trading posts seems more like a pro tip also. So, like, with that sick transition, we'll just talk about our actual pro tips. Um... Can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Excellent. Let the people have their pro tip sauce. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about things that save me a hassle, because I have recently learned that if you hold shift and scroll, you can change the map layers without clicking on that little stupid annoying icon in the corner. Which is super convenient for waypointing out of dungeons. Magical? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, because you're on a different layer in dungeons. so many loading screens. All you have to do when you're done with the dungeon is to hold shift and scroll up, and then you're back in the overworld, and you can pick the waypoint you want. It's beautiful. Also, That's for key great. farming, it's magical. <laughs> um, uh. In relation to that, if you double-click on a Black Lion claim ticket, it already it just brings up a vendor window. You don't even have to go to the vendor. So if you're fortunate enough to get one of those, you don't even have to leave your bank. Uh, In relation to that, because I'm just getting in all my segues right now. Yeah. The nearest bank is often a crafting table. If you go to any crafting table, regardless of whether you have that profession or not, you have access to your bank, both the regular, you know, your bank slots and your crafting 
accessories. So Which was easily my buy, favorite update that they've ever made. Well, that's yes, not true, but one of my favorite quality of life updates. Wonderful. So in World v. World, if there's not a bank, you can still go to the crafting table and you can go to the bank without leaving. No, all they, they need to do is yep. crafting tables in a, that starting town in Gendarn. Gendarn. Why did I say Gendarn? The human starting zone. I can't remember the name of it now. Oh, Shamor. Oh, yeah, they're, uh... I mean, they have the one in that little village over by the, uh, troll slash... One, there's the... an entire set. No, that's what I mean. Yeah, there's... Yeah, they have, you have one access whole over set. There. Yeah. But it's it's not on the key farm route, which is this the, the part that it makes me sad. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of key farm. Have you gotten the digital lately, deluxe yet? I haven't noticed. Yeah, Partially apparently. Because I want have the you gotten the digital deluxe yet? I haven't, but I'm cons- I'm highly considering buying it now because they have changed what you get from it. So you would get you get your choice of one of the the blue armor sets whose name is the Zodiac ones. Is that mm-hmm. what they're called? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you get your choice of one of those, a lightning catcher back piece and a mini Mister Sparkles, plus the oh. Mistfire Wolf. So wow. I think I will pick that up at some point, just because I don't have any of those things. The Lightning Catcher back piece is kind of expensive now. Yeah. I'm surprised it didn't come back with the Labyrinth and Cliffs, but that's, a, that's another I'm thing. not. They haven't been... Um, there's a lot of things that they haven't been reintroducing. Uh, like at Halloween, none of the original um, Black Lion, at least, ones were, were back. You know, there was mm-hmm. no Mad Moon, there was no... Or, well, Mad Moon was craftable, but there was no... Uh, ghastly grinning shield. Mm-hmm. There was no uh, scythe. I really there was want no the crossing. Any of those things? Yeah. Well, at least you can craft that. But I actually think that's really good for the game because it incentivizes you to actually take place in these events because there will be a monetary value associated with getting items that were exclusive to you. Them Unless it's candy corn that are sellable. So, uh, yeah. But those are crafting materials. Also, you can make a bunch of money doing that too. <laughs> Didn't you make a bunch of money doing that? <laughs> uh, and speaking of making a bunch of money, just as a sort of a noob sauce pro tip, you can sell your items from just about anywhere in the game via the trading post, but you can only pick them up at the trading post uh, vendor. Uh, but when you see that little icon at the top that shows with the little exclamation point that you have something, if you mouse over it, it will tether- tell you whether you just have money waiting for you or... Uh, items or both without having to open the window. So if you have some buy orders and some sell orders, it will let you know what exactly is available for you, uh, at least in terms of items versus gold. Which is a nice little time saver. Mm-hmm. Um, also for inventory management, I think we talked about this recently, but just a reminder because it is so incredibly handy. When you open your inventory... There is a gear in the top right corner. If you click on that gear, it brings down a drop-down list of all kinds of stuff for your inventory. Uh, The first one that everyone should know about is deposit collectibles, because all of those collectibles will go out of your inventory and straight to your bank. Mm -hmm. Which is incredibly handy for saving space in bags and dungeons and such. Yeah. Um, And those go to the collectibles tab in your bank, if you're not familiar with where that is, because I've had a lot of new players go... 
Okay, they're gone, but where have they gone? Did I lose them? Notable exceptions are if you have an invisible bag, anything in the invisible bag will not get deposited. So that's a way of sort of storing things. And also, more recently, mini pets no longer are automatically deposited. So you can actually have them in the top of your bag. Now I'm just waiting for being able to summon multiple mini pets at the same time. My my priests will rise. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, God. Um, along along that line of invisible bags and other types of bags, uh, a few things is that there are different types of bags, like say equipment bags, that will prioritize putting gear into that bag instead of your normal inventory slot. But it is worth noting that it. Since it does not prevent you from putting other things into those bags, if your equipment bag, for example, is towards the top of your bags, it will just fill up with whatever crap gets like put in there as it goes down, and yep. so it can fill up very quickly. So it's better to put your spe- like special bags that you don't want to fill up with random stuff towards the bottom of your bag list, uh, because otherwise they'll just get the random stuff put in there as soon as the spaces above them are filled up. Yeah, I like, um, I'll tell you when I like and when I don't like. The one I do like is the oiled bags, and I think this comes uh, specifically from other workers, but they collect the gray junk items, and I usually keep one of those on the bottom because I hate seeing all of the gray junk <laughs> items when I'm looking for stuff. Uh, the one I don't like, which does have some merit, is the green bag that you get from Fractals that collects greens. <laughs> uh the merit to it is it has 20 slots, so you get that extra space. The frustrating part is all of the greens collect in like the middle of your inventory, and just it gets frustrating. But if you well, want the put space it at the top. and you can handle that, go for it. It's a really cost-effective <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, just put it at the top, and it's basically just a 20-slot bag. But I can't because I have, I'm very picky about my inventory. <laughs> All right. My well, backpack that... has to go at the top, and then my hollow monument stone, and then my food, and then my minis. I, and I know what you mean. Very specific. I mean, I have 15 slot bags because I wanted, like, a decent amount of space. But at the same time, like, all the automatic things just kind of irk me because they mess with the way my inventory is going to look somehow. Because all of the stuff that I, <laughs> like, all my weapons and stuff that I carry around are at the bottom of my bag. Yeah. Yeah, I do I do backpack a couple 15 slots, and then my bottom two are invisible bag at the bottom and equipment bag above that. And sometimes two invisible bags, depending on which profession I'm playing and how much random crap they're toting around. Yep. <laughs> um... But, uh... I've got one more. Uh, you can enter PvP from actually anywhere. So if you your build is all set up and you're ready to go into PvP just whenever you want, if you want to join Hot Join, uh, you can join Solo Queue Tournament, whatever, from anywhere. Gandara Fields, Blinds Arch, whatever. Uh, my one recommendation to you is before you try that, make sure you're using the weapon that is specified for your build. Because once you get into PvP, the sigils and stuff will be applied to that weapon. But if you're not wielding it in PvE and you're running a rifle build, but you run a pistol shield build in PvE, 
You're going to make a royal fool I've of yourself. I've done that. I went into a tournament, and my PvP build on my thief is a dagger pistol, like every other thief out there. And I went in there with dagger, dagger, sure. and sword pistol, and I felt like such a noob. Uh, that's funny. But, uh, yeah, so that, that ends our pro tip segment for this week. Uh, unless either of you guys had anything extra to talk about there. Um, if you do world bosses, right. this is nope. just a little PSA. Uh, GW2 timers is kind of wonky, and sometimes it'll have the wrong boss in the wrong, wrong slot. The only 100% accurate timer I've been able to find is the one on Dolphy by that shaman. Alright, there you go. And speaking of rummaging around in our inventories, it's time this to rummage through our mail sack. <laughs> Whoa. What Easy happened there. to not after midnight? <laughs> oh. So yeah, we had a couple of uh, comments slash uh, reviews or whatever. Uh, the first one was that they liked how the hosts stay on topic of Guild Wars 2 even at times when there's little to no news. Um, thank you for that. We try our we try our hardest. It's we we know that it. Just hey, because we, we talked about Guild Wars that, 2 I just for have the most to say part. that I love how in Wildstar I get to play as the rave party class. There. <laughs> All right. Thanks for ruining it. Um, <laughs> but you know it's. It's easy for podcasts to fall into basically just a personal rapport with one another and just talk about random BS. And I listen to several other podcasts about other games, and I've noticed that on some of them. And it's it it does. Or God forbid, a general gaming podcast that talks about movies for the first half hour. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's it's something that you know we don't have any strict rules about it, but for the most part, we try and stay. If not on topic for the news of the week, at least on topic uh, of the game. What was that? <laughs> Did you hear that? Is that a puppy? No, it's my chair. Oh, okay. I thought it was an animal. Yeah, it sounded like something was being hurt, but really I just moved an inch to the left. You probably hurt right, something when you job. moved an inch to the left. <laughs> that poor puppy. Yeah, that poor imaginary puppy that I don't own. That those kittens or cats are stalking. Um, Anyway, the other one was uh, that they liked the humor, community engagement, and the longevity of the show. That's what sets it apart from all the other Guild Wars 2 uh, podcasts. And, uh, you know, I mean, we haven't... uh, it's, It's been a long endeavor. Some of us, like myself, are more new members, but... Uh, and some of yeah, us have been around talking, so long yeah. thank you, that thank you people didn't even realize that we were there the entire time. <laughs> okay, there's yep. a story behind this, which I believe I haven't told in a while, so I'll tell it again. Evie was in the Alliance in Guild Wars 1, and I've been around in Relics of War since Guild Wars 1. Since 2010, actually. Uh, and I knew his character name, but I didn't know it was associated with Evie. So one day we were on Mumble together, just, you know, talking, enjoying Guild Wars 2 and the like. And I go, 
I wonder whatever happened to that one guild. They disappeared, and I missed them. And Evie goes, it was me. Spoiler alert, he's been there for four years, and I didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, that does that, that can happen, especially when you have <laughs> enough characters, you know, that, like, they don't resemble your, your general screen name that you adopt. Well, he, here's the thing. Spirit gave me an oppressor weapon on my paragon, which is named Venus. How? Oh, no. I mean, you're presupposing that she does, like, reading or pays attention or... Yeah. Evie, you can't expose things with me, really. I mean, just judging by how the show usually goes. And it wasn't just the oppressor weapon. It was running all of Eye of the North together. I gave her a, a freaking everlasting uh what what is it called oh, is thackeray I tonic <laughs> i forgot <laughs> wow oh my that's that's amazing oh, and shit. but yeah back on, on topic yes you said i think you guys were taking your survey it's on the relics of our front page if you haven't taken it and you want to take it we do appreciate the feedback and it's nice to hear that you guys appreciate the show as much as we do yeah. And uh yeah, I think it's I think it's that special time spirit and since you're on you actually get oh, to do it. Yes, it's been a while. Okay. Hello everyone and welcome to Cast Cast the Podcast within the podcast, but the cast of other podcasts in the style of cast of other podcasts. I have not gotten rusty, which is amazing. This week on Cast Cast, the DMT is doing a competitive PV invitational, which I suspect ourselves and a lot of listeners will not participate in. It's an interesting community event nonetheless. Um, so what they're doing is putting together a PvE tournament where eight teams of five will compete for the fastest, smoothest dungeon runs in a competitive environment. Um, I'm not sure actually what they'll be... Ra- uh, the teams will pick which paths they're running, so I don't know exactly what it's going to be. But they're all going to be live-streamed, and they're done according to the Guild Wars Speed Clear rule set, with the addition of if a player goes down, or is, is defeated, they are disqualified. And huh. the team has to continue with four players to finish the dungeon. Um, if they get to a puzzle. So, for example, like the puzzle in COF where you do need five people to complete it and they don't have enough people to complete it, they are considered wiped and are disqualified. So, yeah, not something a lot of us are going to be competing in, but something to watch as, you know, a celebration of how amazing or how broken the dungeons are in PvE. The prize pool... At the time I put this in the show notes, was well over a thousand gold, and people are still donating to it. So if you want to donate to this cause, you can uh, contact Nike in game at Nike, shockingly, N I K E, to donate whatever you want towards that, if you like. And that'll be taking place on. I'll find you a date. Saturday, June twenty eighth, at probably the afternoon because it's going to be convenient for North American and European players. 
And can I just say that I would love to have been like part of this, only I don't have the gold to have max stat armor, so it's just like, mm. yeah, I uh, it doesn't it's not the type of thing that really floats my boat for actually participating in it, but I think it's interesting. I love that they're actually hosting this kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's just a cool kind of community event. Oh, and for best sure. Best of luck to anybody who is participating in it. Indeed. Indeed. Well, it sounds like it's time to move on to our last segment. Wheel of Morality. Turn, turn, turn. Tell us a lesson that we should learn, Evie. Um, I'm going to go to a classic. And um, if you're ever going to insult someone, walk a mile in their shoes. That way, you're a mile away and you have their shoes. Sage wisdom. Sage wisdom, my friend. It's my favorite one. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's uh, that's a wrap. If you want to contact any of us, uh, you can go to the Relics of Ore website, or you can tweet at Relics of Ore, or you can tweet me at King Street Greibach, which is K I N G S T G R E I B A C H. Uh, or you guys can do your own. I don't remember the exact spelling and underscoring of your names. Mine is Dam Violas. It is Dam and Violas as one word. Those accursed tiny violins. Yeah, I thought it was Violas. Yeah, but Eric said it as Violas, and I wanted to say those accursed tiny violins. <laughs> <laughs> Evie, do you wanna you wanna put your Twitter out there? That's fine at, if you don't. Mine is at Evenus, E V E E N U S, and you can find me pretty much anywhere on the internet by that alias. So there. Alrighty, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. I'm waving. You can't see us waving, but we're no. waving. And we have to. It's a tradition. That was another episode of Relics of War. If you'd like to get involved, you can find us on any social networking site such as Facebook, Twitter, Steam, and many more just by looking up Relics of War. That's Relics of O-R-R. Similarly, if you'd like to send us mail, you can send that to relicsoforr at gmail.com or go to our website, relicsofor.com, where you can record right there on the front page using our WordPress widget. Just put on a headset and give us your feedback. Or if you feel more comfortable with it, you can go ahead and just record the audio and send it to us as an OGG or an MP3 file. If you'd like to join us in-game, send a whisper to Cole, C-O-E-H-L, Anexi, A-N-E-K-S-I, C-Squirrel Run, that's a C, and then Squirrel, and then Run, or Spirit Face to get in contact with us or join the guild. Last, we always love the comments, so if you want to go to our main site and start commenting on some of the posts that we've got or join our forums, you can have fun with that. If you listen to us on iTunes, you can find our page on the market and just leave a comment or a rating that you feel that we deserve. We appreciate that. We'll read them on the show.